Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. We are inspired by Mother Teresa who said, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. Hello and welcome back to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and today we are speaking with Kelsey Skoke. Kelsey, Kelsey is an international speaker, MC, and author. She shares her faith at pretty large Catholic events like NCYC Seek and World Youth Day. She graduated from the University of Kansas. Um, her passion for mission started when she interned at two Fortune 500 companies. That's pretty exciting. I actually want to have some questions about that for her later. Um, but But there is when she saw the greater need for Christ in the world. So she served over eight years with focus on college campuses and in the parish life. Uh, Kelsey speaks on the topics of evangelization and missionary discipleship. I am going to make her break that down of actually what that means, because we hear those terms a lot, but sometimes we don't know what that means. So that's one of our first questions for Kelsey. Um, But she also talks to women in particular with their personal purity. And that is the heart of our conversation today. We're talking about some hard things. We're talking about pornography. We're talking about masturbation, words that we don't like to say out loud. Um, let alone discuss, but we need to. We need to shed light on them because Christ wants to walk with us in this. He wants to bring us into his peace and walk in his light. So without further ado, let's bring in Kelsey into this conversation. Kelsey, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. So excited to be here. I'm so happy to have you. I am so thrilled that you are going to be talking to us about something that's very difficult to talk about. Um, but let me go back to your to your bio that I just said. You love talking about um, evangelization and missionary discipleship. Let's just take that term missionary discipleship. Tell us just what that means, because we hear that term a lot, and I don't think we really know what that is or what that means. I mean, it sounds good. (laughs) It sounds good. And you know, it sounds churchy, but when someone says that they talk or they do missionary discipleship, what does that mean? Oh, totally. And it's, it's become kind of this hot topic in the church ever since Pope Francis kind of came out and started sharing about missionary discipleship. And really, I think it's a way to, express discipleship and what I would say is the heart of discipleship. So if you look at just that word alone, we look at, oh, being disciples of Christ, being followers of Jesus. And, and that's really beautiful. But I think in, in our in our church and in, in, in our hearts, we kind of get complacent in that. And we say, okay, I have a relationship with Jesus. I have a prayer life. I'm good. And we kind of leave it there. But if you look in scripture and you look Uh, through what the disciples actually do, not only do they have a personal relationship with Jesus, but that personal relationship overflows to everyone else in their life. Um, And they, and they just can't help but share it with the people in their life. The love of Jesus just has to be spread out. And so this concept of missionary discipleship really, I think just emphasizes the element of discipleship that has always been there, but I think sometimes gets forgotten because when you talk about discipleship, most often in our church, you're talking about your personal relationship with Jesus, your personal following of him. But when you add the missionary word in front of it, it reminds us that discipleship isn't only just about you and Jesus. It's also about his church. It's also about this communion of saints that we're supposed to be inviting into a deeper relationship with him, that our discipleship with him should overflow so much so that other people are brought into it. So Um, I mean, I would not be a Catholic today if I didn't have people sharing with me their relationship with Jesus to invite me back into the Catholic church, because unfortunately I was, uh, not well catechized in my upbringing, even though I went to Catholic school and I left the Catholic church when I was 13. So it took individuals who had a discipleship relationship with Jesus to evangelize and to invite me into that. And so I am incredibly passionate about um, doing that and obviously serving in a missionary organization. I had the opportunity to, to, to live that out firsthand. Um, and still to this day, I mean, I still lead a Bible study with women. I'm still investing in women and sharing my love of Jesus with them personally, as well as through my speaking engagements and things like that. So, 
I love it. I love it. You know, when I think about missionary discipleship, it really, it goes back to that phrase we hear a lot uh, from non-Catholics, um, from other Christians who are saying, it's all about the relationship with Jesus, right? It's all about mm-hmm. the relationship with Jesus. And I think for Catholics, especially who are using this term missionary discipleship, um, it starts and stops really. It's, I mean, it's so Eucharistic based. Definitely. Right. So like, you know, missionary discipleship starts with, yes, it's that personal encounter and the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But that means that we are, we, it's not just this relationship where we're like chatting with him and we're super close and we we're reading his words, but we actually receive him. We receive him in the Eucharist. Like the, that's the closest way for your relationship to really take root is that is in the sacrament of the Eucharist, the source and summit of our faith of not just being close to him by word, but actually consuming him body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. Exactly. And I think in our church, unfortunately, there's a lot of people who are allergic to the idea of evangelization, but when you read church documents, you see, I mean, the church exists to evangelize that that's what our church tells us. And, and I think it's just such a beautiful proclamation that we think of proselytizing and the street corner evangelization, and that's not what we're talking about with missionary discipleship. It's about a personal investment to say, hey, I'm friends with Jesus and going to your friends and saying, let me share with you what I found. Um, it's supposed to be a very relational, uh, organic um, evangelization opportunity to, 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 to grow the church and to to bring more people into the body of Christ and through the Eucharist. I love everything. Yeah, it's so it's sure. so true. And and. It's it, we Catholics have such a beautiful opportunity because we have the sacraments and because we have the Eucharist that that type of personal relationship with Christ is so intimate and it starts right there so that you can share something when you're sharing that personal relationship with Jesus, you just can't get more personal than, than, than receiving him in the Eucharist. And so, and being able to allow that to affect you day after day after day. And, and to move that forward, like you said, into those relationships that God brings you to naturally, which is more than likely your family and the people right next to you in, 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 your, in your home. All right. So that's great. I'm glad we got that out of the way. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Um, wow. Okay. Let's talk about this. Um, my first question is really like, did you, I, I'd imagine the answer is no, but I kind of want to hear the story of like how this happened where you were like, you know what, I'm going to talk about pornography. Let's talk about porn. <laughs> let's talk about masturbation and um, let's help women in this area. Now you wrote a book about this. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, uncompromising purity about this very topic, but this is a very taboo topic in general, but even more so for women. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a lot of female listeners and I know that either within the group that listen to this and download these podcasts, this definitely is going to affect some of the women here personally, or they know someone else possibly. So how did, how, like, do you have, I mean, did you have challenges in this yourself? Did you have like a personal challenge within this? Was this something that you struggled with? And then if so, um, or even if not, like, how did you get to this place of like, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to attach my name boldly to talking about this publicly, which is what you do, which, which I mean, I can say right now, I think anybody would understand and would absolutely get behind me, but like, praise be to God for your boldness and your courage that you have to talk about this because most people don't, or most people won't. Mm -hmm. So, okay. You have the stage. Tell us, Kelsey, (laughs) tell us how this happened. No. uh, Yeah. Well, thank you. It's, it has been insane. Um, so I do have my own personal experience with, with these both pornography and masturbation. And I think for me, I grew up where no one talked about it, like you said. And I would say there's many women who still experience that, that, that no one is talking about this. And um, it really kind of came to a head when I became a missionary and we had some incredible formation and classes that would help inform us to be better missionaries on college campuses. And unfortunately, when we went to the pornography session, right, that was gonna help missionaries learn about this, this concept and what was going on, 
we had a male speaker, very informed. And at the end of his statistics or anecdotes or whatever, he would just end with, oh yeah, yeah. And women struggle with this too. Uh, and then move on. Uh, and, <laughs> I mean, I'm just uh, glad he at least said that women struggle with it. Right. That was amen. It. <laughs> amen. Amen. At least there is the mention, like, by the way, you ladies, uh, you, you know, yeah, it happens. Jeez. And now for men, this is, yeah. So all the strategies were for men, all of, all of the, like I said, the statistics and stories were about men and they had nothing for the women. And I would go back to campus and I just had story after story of women who struggled with it. And then I had my own experience kind of screaming at me and I felt so mortified and embarrassed about my own struggle. But then I would talk to these women who had nowhere to go. So it was, I think my third, third year where, um, I walked up to the speaker and I just gave him my name and my email. And I said, Hey, at the end of your presentation, can you just mention if there's any female missionary who personally struggles with this, that they can contact me. And of course, you know, at the end of, of the PowerPoint, he does this, my name and, and number flash on the screen and all of the, I think there's 400 missionaries at the time turn towards me in confusion and like, and, I, and it just dawns on me, oh my goodness, every man and woman in this room now either thinks or knows that I have a previous experience in these areas. And, and these are, was, okay, sorry. So so this is a group of missionaries who are being trained to be like yep. in the field. Oh my gosh. So this isn't just a random, hey, this is a high school or this is a college talk. This is, these are your- These are my peers. These are your peers. <laughs> yeah. Missionaries. Yep. And of course, I mean, in total hum human life, like I'm single at the time, all of these cute Catholic boys all now think I'm addicted to porn and therefore I'm like undateable. It's like the first thing that flashes through my mind. It's like, um, yeah, totally just how I experienced that moment. But what was really beautiful was right after that that feeling of, of being mortified in that situation came across I was instantly, it was instantly replaced with a feeling of grace and just Jesus came into my heart and just said, Kelsey, do you care? Do you care if people in this room make assumptions? Do you care that, yeah, people might know this about you and make like incorrect judgments on, on you based on their own insecurities, whatever. Like, do you care as long as you know that this helps other people? And it was this, that moment where I, I made the decision. No, I do not care. If this helps even one more missionary who feels alone in this, I don't care. And that's when it really shifted for me because honestly, five minutes after that class did the texts and the emails just start swarming in and missionaries would just come to me in tears telling me I'm the first person they've ever told, even a confessor they've never confessed. Um, and so that was five years ago and it just slowly started to build this um, group of women where I would help them personally in their walk. And then I created a, a training to help teach them in the following years, I started giving the class to help them with their students. And then of course, once it opened to students, just the floodgates opened. I started giving talks at Seek. Um, I would start getting my Instagram inbox is just filled with women who are just having question after question and, and things. And I, I would talk to Catholic speakers and I would female, female speakers and they would say, Kelsey, this is a part of my story too. I just would never get on stage and talk about it. And I think for whatever reason, the Lord has just given me the courage and the, and the conviction that this is where he, he needs me right now. And yeah, I obviously I talk about other things too, but this has become my favorite. I absolutely love just blowing the doors off of this very hidden topic and going there with women and talking about things that need to be talked about. And in our culture and our generation, which we'll get to statistics and things like that, this is no longer the minority. Like the amount of women who this is something that they've experienced um, is just climbing with, with the internet and with all the different things going on. Um, so it, it has just been a crazy ride these past five years, but it's something I'm, I'm loving that the Lord has called me to do. Yeah, I, again, I think, I think what you're doing, echoing everybody else who said it uh, before, before me, what you're doing is so important. And for us to address these issues and women um, and to talk about this is so important. That's why it's so important that you're on this podcast that and on as many podcasts as you can and, and everything like you need to be out there speaking about this of anybody who's going to who will listen because of the nature of this sin and the shame attached to it and this false idea of empowerment 
that we have with this disordered sexuality in this culture. I mean, it's the air that we breathe. We don't even realize how disordered morality in general is because of of this time that we live in with sexual morality being just, I mean, completely upside down. And our lives can be are more hidden now than ever with the internet, with, you know, all of our gadgets that we can, we can use in private for a variety of different reasons. And so with that goes um, sin, which loves to hide and loves to be in dark and loves to destroy. So I think you bringing to light all of this and talking about it is just incredible. Um, let's talk about why why these numbers continue to grow um, within women, why this struggle continues to grow within women, as well as the 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 ironic piece where women are also the object of being used mm. in a lot of in, in in most of pornography in general, and right. so it's just I mean. It's crazy that the, like it's just so disgusting what sin has done and and what the devil has done to distort women for us to think that we are empowered to even partake in pornography as the person is like oh I don't care I do, you know like and so many women who are engaged in the in not not consuming it but actually being a part of the production of it uh, the ones who have been honest about it talk about talk about how how it destroys you and it just changes the chemical makeup in your brain to like allow certain things and to keep going within it. So there's just so many different layers, but maybe you can kind of help us understand, maybe if you got some numbers or some stats for us to help us understand like why this is growing in women so, so much. And let, let, let's just start there. Definitely. Well, from a number standpoint, just to start there, there's so many different studies out there and surveys and depending on who's conducting them and, and what, audience they collect the data from, right, is going to change change the numbers. But the the best one I found shows that in the past month, it's a, um, there's a statistic that shows that 76% of women aged 18 to 30 watched pornography in the past month. So 76%, whereas that number for men only goes up to 79. So it's actually like women and men at, at the age 18 to 30 is they're right there at the same level. When you jump to 31 and above, that number drastically drops for women to like 16%. And so what we're really seeing is a generational shift that the younger uh, women and generations are the ones who have really been groomed into this. And most studies, you can't ask someone these questions before they turn 18. So it's harder and like to determine when people are initially exposed. Right now, data is saying anywhere between eight and 11 years old is your first exposure. And that's the right. average which means that people are even younger than eight, you know, that are being exposed to this. And I think the reason why um, this has kind of increased more recently is the internet. I think the the access to doing it in private has definitely increased women's um, accessibility to it, right? You don't have to go to your adult rated store. You don't have to buy a video. Um, I mean, it's literally just on your phone. It's on apps that you're using. You can be using Instagram to see your friends and what they're up to, or you can find pornography. And so you, it's, it's just, yeah, the accessibility of it is crazy. And then I'd also say that the industry itself is targeting women. So I think they've really found that, hey, look at this whole demographic that we've been missing out on. Let's target them. And they do it in very subtle ways. And so... I mean, I like to think of the the 50 Shades of Grey was a huge opening to this world of of fantasy. Um, Obviously, fantasy books have existed, but this was the first one that has ever been on the New York seller's best sellers list in the way that it was. And what that storyline promotes is is actually violence within the sexual act and and the domination of, of women, which like you were saying, it's so distorted. And it's so funny, this false feminist movement of we're feminists. So we, we want to promote empowerment and taking on your own sexual experience. And this is a good thing. And yet when you look at what it's doing to the dignity of woman, pornography, I mean, you can look at all secular data and you can see how pornography increases sex trafficking. It increases the rape culture that it's something like 85% of pornography demonstrates violence towards women in the pornography, you know, act. And so you're looking at these and how can you look at that and say, oh yeah, that's, that's good for women. <laughs> that's, right. that's really right. helping women increase their, their status and, and whatnot. 
And so unfortunately though, statistics and, and knowing all of that still doesn't help people who might struggle with this addiction. And for myself, knowing what they do is it starts with the story, the, the romance and the love between two people. And that's what our hearts are, are desperately desiring. Um, when you look at the root of this, this addiction, this is a symptom. This is not the biggest issue that's going on in, in, a, in a woman or man's heart if they're struggling with this. This is a mere symptom of a desire, a deeper desire for love which comes from our relationship with God, like our desire to be in an eternal, unconditional relationship of love. And because our world is has distorted what that looks like, and because unfortunately we don't experience that most often because we have a, you know, a poor relationship with God or a poor relationship with our parents or whatever the past wounds in our life have been, we seek it in the wrong places. We're seeking love in the wrong places and we're willing to compromise and that's where the whole uncompromising piece comes from we're willing to compromise to get any form of it we can and it seems and, like we yeah. we sorry to jump in here but it seems like we are compromising and obviously accepting something less than right whatever it is because we don't want to face the facts like we don't want to face the music of what's really behind our pain we acknowledge that there's pain. We acknowledge that there's something, you know, that we, or maybe we don't, maybe we, we haven't been even truthful with ourselves to wonder why we do that. Why do I keep going back to that sin? Why do I keep going there? I know it's not right. Like, I know that's wrong because I'm trying to hide it. This is not something we're like, everyone's okay with, you know, and maybe we haven't had that pause, that hard pause. Be like, why am I doing this? And instead we compromise and we make the excuse and we, we say it's okay because maybe the world says it is. And of course that's, we know where that leads, but I just, I, I feel like between behind all of this, I'm sure you would agree is, is the fact that we're not facing those, those wounds that we all have in some capacity, whatever it is, whatever sin that we're struggling with, it, there is a wound behind it. And we are usually engaging in the sin to um, compromise, right? Because we're compromising. We don't, we don't want to deal with it anymore. So we're just going to engage in the sin to cover it up because I want the short-term fix um, right now instead of dealing with like, why do I have these issues? Is there something in my past, in my background, in past relationships and wounds that, that, that I just don't want to go there? But going there is what helps us Digging up kind of those reasons help us find a path of healing and forgiveness, um, which you talk about in your book, Uncompromising Purity, because at some point you have to make a decision of no and more. It, no, of no more. And I have so many women who have gone through the steps, right? They've, they've taken the accountability and different things, and then they still come like, They've prayed, they've asked Jesus to remove this temptation from them, to take this addiction away. And they're, they ask me, why hasn't that happened yet? And I totally can relate. I remember when I started, um, it was my junior year of college when I finally acknowledged I, I'm not in control of my behavior. This is not okay. Um, prior to that, I thought I was totally in the right. The church had gotten it wrong. That's a whole different story. But I, um, and so it took me years of, of rooting the sin out and the temptation and digging, like you said, into the deeper wounds of, of why I kept falling back into this. And so I, I, I often want to help women understand that if the Lord hasn't removed this from you, like, cause sometimes he does, sometimes there's the miraculous healing and, and praise God for, for the women who maybe that works for. But I often wanted to tell people like Jesus wants more than, than your sexuality. He wants your whole heart. Like he wants to heal more than just this one piece. And this is a symptom of something deeper. And so maybe you haven't been able to get rid of it necessarily, but that's because he needs you to ask deeper questions. He needs you to keep going back to him and say, okay, Jesus, this is still here. Why? What, what else is going on in my heart? What am I trying to fill? What void is, is, is there in my life so that he can enter in the most the, the, the deepest depths of that, of that pain that you're experiencing. And that's where he wants to go. He has so many other desires for you and your heart than just your, your chastity, or maybe you're falling into bad relationships with men and falling into premarital sex or whatever it is that you're struggling with. It doesn't just have to be these issues. 
and you keep asking Jesus, just take away the temptation. I don't want to drink anymore. Just take it away. It's like, what are you trying to fill? And that's where Jesus wants to be. Um, and that's, well, it goes that's, back to what you were saying with the symptom, like all of this is a symptom of something bigger and Christ wants to not just deal with your symptoms. He's like, listen, we're going to get to those, but let's get back to the issue. Right. Mm-hmm. And Christ is going to go straight to the issue instead of like, continue to give you Kleenex for your cold. He's like, <laughs> yes, exactly. Like he wants to, the vitamin C, he wants to like be the divine healer and come into that. Um, and that's, I think many of us are afraid of, of, like you said, going there. We don't even know that there's a there to go to. Um, if the world's telling us that these are healthy, good releases for you, you don't even think that there's a reason for you to stop. And that the Catholic, like I said, the Catholic church is just wrong, um, for, for putting guilt on this, this area. Uh, it, yeah, that's, it, it's really easy to justify your behavior when you have the world promoting it in such a way. So let's talk about like what the church teaches. How does, how does the church speak to us if this is our challenge? What does it say about purity? What does it say? Does it talk about pornography? Does it talk about masturbation? What does the church tell us? Yes. Um, so I always go back. The definition of pornography is so essential to this because I think a lot of people don't really know what it is. They think pornography is an X-rated film found at your local movie store. Like I said, um, but if you look at the catechism's definition, so the church's definition of pornography, it, it, it talks about it's any, actually, I'm going to actually go to the full definition. So that way I'm not uh, paraphrasing. So it's removing real or simulated sexual acts from the intimacy of the partners in order to display them deliberately to third parties. So it's removing real or simulated sexual acts to display them to third parties, like for entertainment. And so that definition can be applied to a lot of things. So if you look at like primetime television or big, big number one hit movies, I often tell women like, think about The Notebook because that movie a lot of women have seen. And in The Notebook, there's a very clear sex scene that most women can call to mind when they think about The Notebook. And while yes, it's not classified per se as pornography, Women who struggle with masturbation or struggle with pornography, that is a very clear way that can be used as pornography. That that is a sexual act being displayed deliberately for the entertainment of third parties. And um, I think it's things like that that are kind of gateways to, to worse addictions to pornography. But those in and of themselves, for me, it was YouTubing best romantic scenes from movies like kissing scenes. And that quickly developed a hottest sex scenes in movies. And these are R-rated, not X-rated, R-rated movies that have these scenes that are easily accessible that I justified as, well, this isn't a pornographic site, so I'm totally okay. And I wouldn't have even said I had a pornography addiction until later on through my, my relationship with the church and learning what was really going on all of this time. And so I think the definition of pornography and what the church teaches of it is really crucial because women can have an addiction that they don't even acknowledge is one. Um, and then when the church talks about masturbation, they're talking about the deliberate stimulation of your own genital organs. So anything that's deliberate that, that goes there is masturbation. And I think this is where statistics of, of masturbation are higher for women than, than pornography. You know, we don't necessarily need the visual to still struggle with something like this. And so um, it, it's even more private in, in what, what it does. But going back to your original question of what does the church teach? The church has such a beautiful teaching of our sexuality. And I think a lot of times we see the church as like this big no, like you can't do anything fun, right? Like just tons of rules and regulations and it's outdated and, and all of these things. But when you really look at the teachings of the church, it's, it's a resounding yes to the beauty and of, of nature of what sexuality should be. And, and I go through this in the book, but talking about it being total. So giving your entire self to another, um, not holding anything back, which we won't go into here, but that's why contraception, you're, you're not giving over your entire self. You're still holding back your, your reproductive system. So you can't be total in that act. So the church says you should be total in your act. You should be um, completely faithful. Like this is an exclusive relationship. 
Um, you should be completely free. You should not be coerced into the sexual act. It should be a complete free gift. Um, and it should be fruitful. There should be, it should be oriented to bearing fruit, potentially procreating in life. And, and through these yeses, through, through this entire gift of self that you're able to give in the sexual act, there's just such a beauty found. And that's why the vows of our marriage, like sacramental marriage is so essential to the sexual act because you're able to give not only your body, but you're able to give your heart, your mind, your soul, your, your life to this person. And you vow to them that you will be exclusive, that you will be free for, to give to them. And they do that in return. And, and I have like a, a diagram because I'm a visual, I'm a visual learner in that way. But when you remove some of these things, when you remove that entire gift of self and you add pornography and masturbation into it, you start to disconnect this, this picture. This picture is supposed to be a holistic husband giving his entire self to his bride. She receives her husband and gives it back to him. When you add pornography and masturbation, the husband and or wife give the love back to themselves. They essentially say, I don't need another. All I need is myself. Um, and even if you're not married, like you're still saying like, I don't need others. I'm just going to turn my sexual experience back to myself. And unfortunately you're always going to feel unfulfilled through this. And the church teaches this, like the only way to have a total fulfilling sexuality and like sexual life is through what I just you know walked us through. And when you try and do anything less, it's never going to be enough. And that's why these addictions increase in their severity or like what people are gravitate towards because they're trying to seek this fulfillment. They're trying to get ultimate fulfillment that they're never going to get through these lesser versions of, of this act. And it, it's sad. It's sad that people don't see how good the sexual act can be and, and therefore they're willing to go to lesser versions. Yeah. It's so beautiful how, you know, I think what you're saying is kind of coming full circle of how we even started this conversation when we weren't even talking necessarily about the topic just yet, but God is good and brings everything back to him. How we were talking how discipleship is um, Eucharistic based, right? Missionary mm. disciple. And how I, what we're talking about here, um, this, this gift of self, when it's, when it's free, total, faithful, fruitful, it's, it's this full gift. And that's so Eucharistic based. I mean, we have in the mass, you hear the words during consecration. I mean, this is my body given up for you that Christ himself on the cross, uh, gave himself to us. He was free. It was total. It was faithful and it was fruitful. This entire gift of God himself. And, in, in the catechism as well, when it talks about this, what we're talking about it, if you want to, you can go and we can put some links in the show notes for you talking about the vocation of chastity and talking about these different things, which starts around 237, a little bit before then too. But one of the, one of the lines that I love is that chastity is a promise of immortality. And that's in, that's a paragraph 2347. Chastity is a promise of immortality and be, and going back to the Eucharistic base of our faith, right? Source and summit of our faith, all things will, will be Eucharistic, um, if aligned rightly, right? With doctor. Yeah. Um, then this, this gift of ourself this love that we have and practicing of this beautiful virtue of chastity um, also within marriage, which, which is like a, probably another topic, but that's also, <laughs> you still need that. It's not like, oh, I'm married now. I can have sex. So I don't need chastity anymore. Um, that's not it, right? Because chastity defends, it defends and protects the free, total and faithful, fruitful gift of the person to the other person. Oh, and it's such a lie. I have so many people say, like, oh, once I marry, this won't be a problem for me. Calling on all of my lady friends right here. If you are looking for community in a place that is private and off social media, if you're wanting to go deeper in your faith, but you have no idea where to begin and a master's program is not in the cards for you at this moment, you need to check out the Lux Network. You can go to theluxuniversity.com to find out more, but we have created 
the very first Catholic app for Catholic women that does just that. It brings you community of women in a private setting. It gives you all of the courses from Lux University, courses on the faith, courses on theology taught by experts in the field. We also bring to you live prayer, live weekly prayer at the Rosary and Divine Mercy Chaplet. And we have our chaplain, Father Michael O'Loughlin, who guides us every single week in a gospel reflection. There is so much of that and more inside the new Lux Network. Go ahead, come and join us at theluxuniversity.com. Find out what it's all about. You can choose between one of two plans. And yes, (laughs) I did name them after food. You can choose the chips and salsa plan, which is the prayer in the community, or you can choose the whole enchilada. That's actually the name of it. And that is the prayer, that is the devotionals, that is the community, and that is Lux University, which is really what most women truly do come for, is that whole enchilada plan. But come on in. If you are looking for a place to connect with other Catholic women and and really connect with them, if you want a place where you can pray live with other Catholic women in a private setting off of social media, If you want to deepen your faith, learn more about it, have the answers uh, to the questions that you've been asking for a long time, then you you need to check out Lux University inside that Lux app too. This is here for you. We are here for you. We truly believe that you are a light and yet you are a leader and we are happy to help you get there. Come join us inside Lux. And that that is such a lie. And it's, it's like these types of addictions just come into a marriage, like a wrecking ball. Like they just destroy everything in their path. Um, and, and that's why seeking the healing prior to your vocation is essential. Being able to be totally free. We want to talk about freedom, freedom from just feeling attached to these things and freedom from feeling like you're not in control. Um, because you want to be a full gift to your future spouse. You want to have that freedom in your own heart and your own ability to say, Jesus, I choose you over anything else. And, and then Jesus, I choose my spouse over anything else. And people don't realize like in marriage, there are going to be times where you have to abstain, you know, after having a baby, you have to abstain. And if you're just completely not in control of your passions and you're just at liberty of like, oh, just give in to whatever I feel is right. That's not chastity and that's not how you live it in marriage or outside of marriage. And and that will only become, yeah, they'll only destroy your marriage. It's abuse. And you can abuse yourself, you can abuse others, but it's abuse, right? It's an abuse of chastity and abuse of love. Um, and I think what you're talking about is that if, if you're if, if if we're struggling with these types of issues, pornography and masturbation, obviously before we enter into the sacrament of marriage, before you enter into that, to deal with these and begin that process and really do the hard work. Now, that's ideal and that's what we need to do but that doesn't always happen, right? So we've got lots of marriages where we're dealing with pornography and we're dealing with masturbation. So how do we go about that? Like, what what do you suggest? How do we, um, I imagine in some ways, it's gonna be the same path in terms of getting healing and the help you need. And maybe you can talk a little bit of that and what to do, practically speaking. But also the emotional struggle and and hurt you have now because this this problem we have then of masturbation or pornography whatever it might be for someone um this is now affecting like you you actually see the person that it's also affecting beside you like you're living mm-hmm. with that person it is your spouse how do you talk to your spouse like what what would be the words that you need to say to your spouse? Like I think that's the hard thing is like I don't know how to admit this to my spouse if they don't already know. And then mm-hmm. what do you do if you're already in a marriage and this this is a problem and you have not brought it up? Maybe it happened before you were even married and you didn't even want to admit it. So you just pretended that, like, you know what? After I get married, it's not gonna be a problem anymore because I'll I'll be married and and you know, I'll be able to do all the things. <laughs> right. Not, yeah. not all the things, but you know what I mean? What do you do then, Kelsey? Like, how can we, how can we help this group right here? Definitely. Well, I would say it depends on the extent of your addiction and how many years it's, it's happened and what level you feel like you're on. Um, uh, integrity Restore, it's an incredible Catholic-based ministry that works. Can you say that again? I'm sorry, what was that? Integrity Restored. Integrity Restored. Mm-hmm. And it, it helps husbands, wives, protection of their children and priests. It's a beautiful ministry. Um, 
And they, they often encourage to first go to counseling, even prior to, to talking to your spouse about this, to, to get some help to be able to talk through maybe the root of, of this, this addiction and where it's coming from, and to have a professional speaking into this addiction in a healthy way. Um, and then what, what they would recommend is, is actually inviting your spouse to a counseling session where you can share your struggle and what has been going on. And, and the reason why that can be really helpful is now your spouse has a professional that who knows what's going on that they can then turn to and start counseling with, depending on what this might reveal for them. So, right, if it's a husband who's had this addiction for years, the wife has no idea, he tells her this is going on. However she receives that information could be very sensitive and it could, could provide a lot of hurt and, 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 and rejections she might feel and vice versa. He could feel that rejection if, if this is something that's been going on. So having someone to speak into that conversation and to have a professional that now can connect to your spouse, um, integrity sport, I, integrity restored, I highly value their, their advice. Um, I think that's definitely a good way to go about it. I think if this is something that has maybe been a part of your past and maybe something that comes up infrequently enough, it's not a heavy addiction for you. What I would recommend is, is, is to go to your significant other. This could be your boyfriend, let alone your, your, your spouse and say, Hey, you know, I know that the issues of pornography and masturbation have been increasing and, and are growing ever so much in our, in our world. So I want us to have an open conversation and I, I don't know if this is a part of your experience and I want to share with you that it, that it has been a part of mine um, and it still affects me to this day. And I want to want to just open up the conversation on how you feel about that. And, and you kind of keep it general at first, just to see how they're receiving that information. Because again, this is a very sensitive topic and it, it does involve another person, right? And you want to make sure that you're respecting the boundaries. And again, you should go into more detail eventually, especially in marriage. Um, I'd say but this isn't, dating, I think definitely what you're saying is, I love everything you just said. And, and if I was you, um, if you're trying to figure out the right words to use, I would rewind and listen to Kelsey and write it. Like for me, I would write it down, be like, I am going to say this. And I would do that. But definitely, I think it's really important that we say that this would not be your, you know, second date, third date conversation. <laughs> Correct. I know that this seems obvious, but you know, humanity has me wondering sometimes. So I usually just like to be super clear. And we I do say, say though, I do think though it should happen. A brief conversation should happen earlier in the relationship than maybe you would feel comfortable with. And I often in the relationship, like, but not like when you're dating to see right. if you want to keep dating. This would be like when you decided you want to go exclusive. You should probably have a conversation with your significant others to say like, what are your chastity boundaries, right? Like what are your expectations for chastity and what are their expectations, right? Like, Hey, this, I don't think this is okay. I don't plan on having sex before marriage. Like that whole conversation that needs and should happen when you decide to become exclusive with someone, I think pornography and masturbation should be brought up just so that you, that it's clear what the expectations are. And it doesn't mean, Hey, you should be completely free from this right now at this moment. But as a woman, if you're, if you're, Boyfriend, I mean, this is something that's been a huge struggle for men for many, many years. Um, and so sharing with them, hey, I know that these are big issues. I just want to check in and let you know, like, this is an expectation for me is that we are both living free from these, these addictions. Do you have accountability in your life that you can go to for any areas of chastity? Do you have a plan in place for yourself to become free in all areas of chastity? So you're not saying, hey, tell me if you struggle with this. Hey, tell me like how often you fall. You're just checking in and say, do you have accountability in all of these areas? Because my expectation in, in pursuing a, a, a relationship, hopefully to pursue marriage down the line is that we would both be free from this. And it's really important because you don't want to be blindsided and you don't want to say like, oh, we didn't talk about it. Therefore, who knew? We can get ahead of this and, and talk about this earlier than, than we think. And I, it's so good what you're saying about like approaching it with accountability as do you have this in place? Do you have the accountability in place? And then my next question is going to be um, about what 
types of accountability um, options are out there. But it's so important after you say, like, do you have that accountability in place? Not just saying for chastity, but to say the words, say the words, say, do you have accountability in place for, you know, pornography or masturbation, whatever those things are, but to say them out loud, because when we say the words, they're not so scary to say again, and we shed light on them and we can actually do it. But you have to say the words. It's, yes. it's so important in so many areas of life, spiritual, professional, entrepreneur, it, but you, you need to say the words. You need to say out loud what you feel what you are actually thinking and say it. So you can be very, very crystal clear on your expectations about what's going on. And I think when you do that, you take ownership over, over that taboo topic. And you're just like, it's not going to be taboo here. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the hard things. We're going to say the words to make sure that we can deal with this. Yeah. In my talks, I usually, I say, we're punching the devil in the face. Like the devil wants to keep these things hidden. And the way he does this is by the power of, of keeping the name hidden. And I'm like, it's not Voldemort. Like we don't need to be afraid of the name. And if we can, we can actually empower ourselves by saying, I love this. Yes. Saying pornography, saying masturbation. I've had women in like a talk all say pornography and masturbation together because if we're about to go into confession and we're just afraid of saying these words, we're, we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to really come into our heart in the way that we need. We need, we need to tell Jesus this is something we struggle with because he's not ashamed of who we are. He knows this is something that, that the world has done to us. A lot of times we think we're such a bad Christian, we're a bad daughter, whatever it is, but Jesus is heartbroken that the world exposed you to this at such a young age. He's heartbroken that our over-sexualized culture has done this to you. And he is crying out for you just to come to him, to be restored in that relationship. And I think that healing that needs to happen and that, that acknowledgement and, and sharing with the Lord and allowing, what I like to say is invite Jesus into the struggle is usually the first step to, to overcoming an addiction. And, and sharing that in confession, using the words, like you said, are so essential to, to recovering from this as well. Yeah, I, I know my own life, uh, being extremely clear about the things that I struggled with and saying the words instead of just dancing around it and using phrases that would point to what I was doing and... I had to say the words. It was freedom for me to say, this is my problem. I did this. And I remember, I mean, I think at this point, many people who are listening to this podcast, you, you know, my background, you know, of my story, you know, that I struggled with um, fornication in my past and, and having, um, and you know, these unhealthy, impure um, relationships. But I would use those terms when I would go to confession sometimes in the beginning of being like, well, I made a mistake with my boyfriend. I, um, I sinned against chastity with my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And they're technical. It was true. But when I, I, there was a part of me that was just like, why can't you own up to what you did, Leah? Like, say it, say the words. And when I became, and I, here's the thing, there was fear. There was massive fear and shame, but a lot of fear for me to say the words. And so when I actually went in there and I was like, hey, no, this is it. I had sex with my boyfriend and I did it. It, I mean, that was so hard. But when I said the words, it was like, that is it. That is exactly it. I pinpointed it. This was a massive problem. I fell and I am ashamed and it's wrong. And I'm here, Lord, I need you to help me. This is my problem. And I just, it, 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 it was an, as strange as it may sound, it was an empowering moment in the sacrament of confession for me to say the words to the Lord who already knows it all. Right. But to say that so that I could hear it and I could let it go off of me too. And I knew that I was being really honest with myself and not pretending. And to know that you're not alone. I have a good friend who's a campus chaplain and he told me, he's a Kelsey, thank you so much for writing this book. Um, it's about 50% of the female confessions I hear include wow. pornography or masturbation. Wow. 50%. And that's the ones who are, I, I didn't confess this for years. So I guarantee that number would be higher if, if women were more, yeah, like you said, honest and using the words and, and able to 
say that this is something they struggle with. But for you guys to know this, yeah, women are not alone in this struggle. And there are priests telling me this is 50% or more of their confessions from women that most likely if you're in a line waiting for confession, you can look down that line and know that you're not the only one confessing this. Right. We're all, we're all there because we messed up. Mm -hmm. When you stand in that confession line, which I think is, has got the most comedic material on the planet personally, just side note, I just find it incredibly humorous. I know, I mean, it's very, I take it very, very seriously, but I'm like, it's the line for confession is the ultimate police lineup, except everybody's guilty. It's not just one. (laughs) Everyone's guilty. Like you're all there because you screwed up, man. You screwed up and you were in this line because you've got a problem. So like, just say your problem, say the words. And I think, like you said, and I think that's incredibly important. That's why we're putting the emphasis on this, but to say those words and to discuss them at the appropriate time with your significant other or with your spouse and to actually say the words. Don't dance around it. Let's just face the problem where it's at. And talking about facing the problem and getting real help with practical means, um, there is a there is a site. Can you explain to me what this is? It's Custodio. Is that it? I've heard mm-hmm. about this. And I think that they do like real-time reporting. Um so to speak, can you tell us like, this is a great tool that I've heard about. Let tell, tell me more about this and so that people can understand what it is if they're interested. Yeah. So you mentioned like different versions of accountability. And, and at first I would say like having either a spiritual director or a counselor, like professional accountability, and then having peer accountability. So a friend that is of the same gender who can share with you and, and keep you accountable to the progress that you're hoping to make. But that either your spiritual director, counselor, or your friend should also walk with you on other accountability measures that you might need. And one could be an internet filter. Um, and so there's a lot out there. There's Covenant Eyes, which does just great work. But I would say Custodio, if you just go to custodio.com, um, is, is an incredible program or, or I don't know what you want to call it. It's an app as well. But what it does for you is it doesn't only... Um, do an internet filter for pornography and, and inappropriate content. It also can help with screen time, which can be a huge gateway into these addictions. So we can actually filter off if you want to shut off access to certain apps like Facebook, Instagram, whatever at 9 p.m. at night, because that's when you start trolling and getting kind of in your, in your, yeah, despair of my life isn't as good as all these other people. That can be right. a trigger for this addiction. Um, but it also can report in. So if whoever your accountability person is on the other side of custodio and you're on something inappropriate, they actually have the access to see it immediately versus days later. Right. Um, And so this can be really helpful in the midst of a struggle that is very sensitive and and needs a timely response Um, because it's hard. It's hard for me to reach out to my accountability partner and go, Hey, I just watched this and now I'm thinking of things and I know confessions tomorrow. Therefore, you know, like whatever justification is, you usually wait until after and you say, Hey, by the way, I went to confession. I fell just letting you know. Um, so having real time accountability can be really essential. That's so good. I, and, and having that on being able to be on your different devices, especially your phone, because the phone, like the, the phone's everything, right? I mean, that's where so much pornography is being consumed now is actually on the phone now it's on mobile versus desktop as before and then before that it was like videotapes and before that it was magazines like it's just progress you have to kind of keep keep um keep up especially uh i I, for, for me i'm thinking about as a parent right trying to stop the exposure of this that is in the world with my kids um but yeah, so just, I think that's great. We'll have all of those links in the show notes um, of accountability software, the ministry, um, Integrity Restored, even some of those uh, catechism chapters or not chapters, excuse me, paragraphs that we were talking about. I'll put those in there too. And I mean, really also, let's just, I, 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 I want to make sure we talk about this Um and maybe we'll do something a little bit more intense about this, uh, maybe in a more private setting. And we talked about this of maybe even talking about um, your new book, Uncompromising Purity, um, actually inside 
the Lux app. And so if, if you're unfamiliar, if you're a Catholic um, woman, then this is something you need to know about. But we have the Lux app. The Lux app is a private social media app um, just for Catholic women. And we've got live prayer. We have our own chaplain who comes on every night, does nightly blessings, and then does a Sunday uh, gospel reflection with us. On top of that, we have an entire library of Luxu courses that are all, all on the faith, the Catholic faith, and they're all, all taught to women. So some of these issues that we talk about, uh, the personal things, it's beautiful because this is the place where we can come together and have a um, a perspective that is very unique to the feminine heart. And that is the Lux app. So you can go to theluxuniversity.com to get the app. You can join in with us there. And we've talked about possibly having Kelsey come in and doing a private book study really on this new book because you want the private setting. And that's the beauty of, of the Lux app. Again, that's theluxuniversity.com. You can grab that. But we have a private setting. It's not Instagram. It's not Facebook. And the things that you would never want to post on those pl platforms if you wanted to, you could post inside this private app and you would have an entire group, hundreds of Catholic women who would be praying for you, who'd be saying, we're going to walk with you through this. We're, we're offering up our mass for you. We're offer I mean, it's so beautiful, this private community of women who can be fully themselves and not worry about the overarching like social media stuff that most people don't really want to be fully themselves on because it's it's viewed on with by so many different eyes. So let's talk about uncompromising purity as we I, I know we're kind of wrapping up our our chat here, but I want to talk about this work that you've done, which is why we're having this conversation. All of these things that you know and what you've been learning and really going deep in the research of this, you've kind of put together in one place for us, praise be to God, called Uncompromising Purity, this new book you have out. Tell us a little bit about What's really inside the book of what people can expect if they grab that? Definitely. So this book was a labor of love and it really came forth from, you know, the talks like I shared that I've been giving over the years. The number one thing that would happen is women would feel so convicted. I'd have a line out the door after my talks of women just thanking me and, and sharing with me their struggle. And then about two weeks after I would get DM after DM of women saying, okay, now I'm home. Now I'm amidst the temptations and the stress again, I'm falling what do I do? And it, it's like whatever conviction they felt from the talk now is being drowned out by this temptation again. And so this book really came forth from a desire to give them something tangible in their hands so they can remember these truths that Jesus is trying to break through the noise in their life. Um, and I met a man named Everett Fritz who has been working with men in this ministry. And he wrote a book called Freedom for Men. And we we were both giving keynotes at a conference and um, I shared with him that I worked with women and he stopped me and was like, wait, <laughs> you do this for women? This, I People have been requesting a female version of this book. I need, you know, this is so good. And so with him and I, we connected with Sarah Swafford, a good friend of mine um, who wanted to write the forward because for her, she gives talks to countless women who have shared with her that this is their struggle, but there's no resources available. Um, and then we teamed up with Jason Everett to, to really push this out through the Chastity Project and all the ministries that he does. Um, so it was really a labor of love with this team of people. And what the book really does is it walks through my personal experience with this area, my testimony. And then it goes through, yeah, the church's teaching of what, what sex is meant for, the root of this addiction that it that is just a symptom, like what is what is coming on. And then it that goes through practical steps. There's six steps that I've kind of mapped out of, of how to root out this sin. And these aren't like, it's not a quick fix. You're, you're not, it's this, this book is not like a nicotine patch. You could just stick on and be like, great, now I'm good to go. But, but to allow this book to transform your life, to, to, to make significant changes in your life. So when it, when, the, you know, we recommend throw away devices that might be causing extra temptation or yeah, get, get an accountability filter for your, your phones, you're not on social media late at night. Like it, it takes work. It's going to take work and it's going to take doing the steps. Um, at the end of every chapter, we've allowed there to be reflection questions. So you can turn this into a book study. So a community of women can talk about these things together and you have something, like I said, tangible. So you don't have to feel like you're the one bringing up the topic. You can be like, Hey, there's a new book out from Chastity Project. Let's all talk about it and allow the book to really do, do the heavy lifting in that way. Um, and then, yeah, there's, there's a chapter on you're dating someone with an addiction and 
what does that mean for you? And, and what are some other resources you can turn to retreats or places to go, other ministries? Um, so all of that's found found within this book. It's uncompromising purity. It's not just a guy problem. And uh, yeah, it's it's been so much fun to put together and see the women's response to it. I love it. I think this is the book that we all need to buy. Uh, there's just going to be that moment in that time where we need to either read it ourselves or we need to either hand it off to someone else. And it's one of those moments where sometimes I think maybe, maybe this is not your struggle. Uh, and if that's the case, that's okay. <laughs> but you will probably have somebody you'll talk to who might confide in you. How beautiful would it be that you'd be able to say, listen, I look, I got something for you and to pull that off your shelf and be like, here, I mean, this is what I love about doing this podcast is that we get to speak to amazing gifted experts who have amazing resources that help us help others. I mean, this is exactly what we talked about, that missionary discipleship of going out and reaching out and, and, and being Christ to others. And, you know, you don't, you don't have to have all of the answers, but we know, we know the man who does, right? We know that the buck stops with Christ and Christ allows us to help along the way by, you know, passing a book off to someone saying, Hey, listen, you know, or, or somebody like Kelsey, God, putting it on your heart being like, you need to write this so people can take the book and give it to somebody else. Because like Everett was saying, where, where is the female perspective? Who is the, who, who is the woman who's going to talk to women about this? And at that time, there wasn't anybody until you walked into the room, so to speak. So I'm so thankful, Kelsey, that you came in. I'm so thankful that you sat down and you spoke with us today and that you obviously put the time in to writing this book. I mean, you are a mama. I mean, I think, I think, I mean, I think at the time, were, were you pregnant with one kid and having another one? I mean, you're writing this book, being a mom and having babies. Trust me, trust me, you know, babies and dreams. That's my thing. I understand the gift of self to this, to this type of work when you're also giving of yourself as wife and mother. I mean, what an amazing experience that must've been for you. Oh yeah. Babies and dreams. I am very passionate about. It wasn't, like I said, yeah, like or you were just sharing, it wasn't until I found out I was pregnant with my first child that I decided to write this book. And I, I was like, Jesus, this is terrible timing. I, <laughs> why didn't you put this on my heart two years ago? Or, you know, and of course I'm one of those women that pukes for 20 weeks of my pregnancy. Uh, so there I was nauseous, throwing up, writing chapter, like it was just crazy. And it took two years to really, um, create the book in the, and, and, and edit it and get it to where we knew it was ready to, to be published. And in those two years, I had two children. So, um, it is a huge labor of love. Uh, two weeks before our final manuscript was due, I had my second child. And so I was at home with a two week old finishing all the edits with the copywriter. And, um, yeah, it, when I saw your babies and dreams stuff come out, it just made me laugh because that's, I would not be who I am today without my two two little ones. I would not have been able to really put the passion towards this book, knowing that I'm writing it for my future daughters, knowing that this is what our world needs and to be that voice. Um, they actually helped me drive my conviction even further to getting this book out. So um, yeah, very passionate about babies and dreams. They are a huge part of my life, but it was through having babies and writing late at night, early in the morning, all hours of the day, nap times, all of it that, that got this book to be where it is today. Amen. Babies and dreams always go together. Always, always, always. And granted, that's not to say that things don't change or your dreams don't um, reprioritize themselves and become something, but it's also the reality too, that babies are the dream. I mean, like being a mama, having our babies, it's, it's a fantastic, beautiful gift. And so women are so amazing. We are, we are smart and gifted because of God himself. And we can do so many things with him. And you are a beautiful example of babies and dreams and wife, mother, author. It's just so, so great. Kelsey, I am so thankful that you were here with us. Before we leave, do you have a challenge for our listeners? I think my biggest challenge to you guys is to continue praying every single day, even if it's five minutes, um, no matter what you might be struggling with, again, the deepest desire of our hearts is a relationship with Jesus. 
and, and to be continually reminded of the love he has for us. The only way that's going to be possible is through prayer and through hearing his voice. And so my encouragement to every woman, um, no matter what you struggle with, daily prayer is what's going to help root it out. So to, to be able to be committed to that and that relationship with him. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kelsey. Thank you, Leah. This was so fun. It was fun. All right. Okay. So a few last things before we wrap up one, I want to make sure that I give a big shout out to every single one of my Patreon members. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Um, if you would like to support this podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Leah Darrow link will be in the show notes. If you feel, if you would like to support us there. Um, thank you. Every single one of you makes this show happen. I am not saying that lightly. I mean it a thousand percent. God, the father knows that is true. This show is possible only because of you patreon members thank you thank you thank you and remember whatever you do today do something beautiful for god do it with your life do it with with anything that you have but there is something beautiful that god wants you to share with others um so even if you're living that quarantine life still <laughs> or if you're out of it um you still have a call to do something beautiful for the lord all right god love you god bless and we'll see you next time